Hello and welcome to the Court of Valets podcast. I'm Joe and I am here with Muse. Hello. And V. Hi. We're a comic podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps so that you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or aren't interested in reading. So we got a pretty good lineup today by the sound of it, except for the title I went with. I don't even want to talk about Action Comics 1023 from Uh. Brian Michael Bendis and artist John Romita Jr. So I'm going to skip mine for right now, and we are going to go over to Gotham City, where V is going to tell us about Batman 95. Oh, all right. So let's talk about Batman 95. It was written by James Tinian, and of course... Jorge Jimenez is back as the artist. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Part one of the Joker War is fantastic. And Jorge Jimenez, <laughs> dude, the guy has stepped up. Every panel was purposeful. It advanced the story. It was beautiful. Every frame was awesome i like i can't even describe how happy i was (laughs) to see this which i'm really happy to hear too because like throughout tinian's run so far you've kind of been like on the fence about it it's been mixed you know he has like a lot of good elements that he goes with and a lot of bad ones and he just throws everything at the wall like he's a very creative person and this is sometimes i wish he wasn't you know (laughs) it's kind of just like you're so excited to share your stuff with like your friend that comes over to your house for the first time so you just drop everything out you're like here's all my stuff what do you want to go with first yeah, the he... bat luge <laughs> as we saw even before we got his first issue this man was super excited to write batman he had his mm-hmm. like himself like a batman desk chair he has all of this batman stuff he's been a fan of the bat family for years it added more on the hype that he's now writing Batman. Oh, yeah. I was mm-hmm. absolutely excited when he took over from Tom Kane. I mean, I was a little bit harsh on him in the beginning because he did have a nowhere plot, you know, that kind of just... It, it, it was, was sort slow, of a red herring. a slow build-up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it wasn't interesting either. <laughs> and at the same time, I was also dumping on Tomasi because Detective Comics was right. kind of doing the same sort of limping along in terms mm-hmm. of story. It yeah. was bad. I think the last time, like, all three of us got excited over Tinian's was 91 with yep. the the flashback issue. I think that's oh, yeah, where it definitely good. picked up mm-hmm. in terms of this Jorge art. Jimenez. I was just going to say, once again, Jorge Jimenez. Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. Jimenez's art definitely helps because Gilliam March's art, as we mentioned two weeks ago, because you guys weren't here mm-hmm. last week, mm-hmm. it really detracts from Tinian's writing. It really pulls you out of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of it is with Gillen March, and this is cruel and mean, and I'm sorry in advance, but like, <laughs> you know, my MO. The thing about Gillen March's art is a lot of times when I see it, I read it as like a showcase of me. Look at my art. Look at what I can draw. Look at these boobies. And <laughs> I really love boobies, okay? Look at them. They're delightful. But he does have really good layouts. I've said this before. Gillen March knows how to lay out something. But let me tell you about Jorge Jimenez, <laughs> <laughs> because the layout in this was incredible. Joe, you said like the opening made you think of a movie. Yeah, well, I read this whole thing like it was like a 
action movie pretty much like you're reading this whole build up to the action thing and everything you're slowly hearing like that batman theme song in the back of your head <laughs> <laughs> well i'm always hearing the batman theme song in the back of my head but that's a condition dun, 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 dun. no mm-hmm. i'm not gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the thing about this episode it it definitely heavily features alfred <laughs> which could go really badly, you know, because every issue that tries to deal with Alfred, it kind of sort of might fall a bit on the saccharine side. Mm. It's a little, it's too much most of the time. And so this one I felt like was perfect. We have Alfred as kind of the bookends, right? So we open up, there's a memory of Bruce when he first discovered the Joker and how he related it to Alfred and how Alfred encouraged him that he would not be fighting this madman alone, how he had his back. It was really heartwarming. It was really sweet. He's still in his stoic way. And you see Bruce smiling over Alfred's studied Mm -hmm. stoicism. It's beautiful. And so now we're reminded of exactly where we are through a series of reporters. The way that it's done, they give all the credits instead of one page. They give it at the base of each reporter. I love it. Like it's a film. (laughs) Like they're storyboarded out, which I think is why you got that I think that too, yeah. I agree with the movie fit. It felt like we were moving along. He, I'd never seen the credits done that way, where they passed down over um, several pages. Because usually it's just one page and it's just kind of there and they integrated it, which was really smart. This one, okay, so it did have some creepy elements. Remember that uh, Lucius Fox was kidnapped and Jokerified by Punchline and Joker. Right. And so now we're like, okay, we've talked about Alfred how's he doing you know lucius and he's not doing great he has a bunch of like needles in his brain it's not pretty he's fighting the joker serum it's not going well for him so basically he's being slowly tortured for all the information about bruce's secrets about batman's secrets we cut over to the joker who has bought out the original crime alley movie theater and the slow reveal of the mask of zorro mm-hmm. yeah. the slow reveal about crime alley about that theater the guys talking about bruce wayne how his parents were killed out front all of his memories of this theater and he's blind so doesn't really realize that he's selling the theater to the joker but the Joker is giving him enough money so he can retire, so he's going to sell it. Which is interesting, too, because the guy even says how Bruce Wayne has tried to buy the theater from him several times, but he never budged on agreeing to this deal. But now you have the Joker with Bruce Wayne's money giving him another deal. Yeah, but he's giving him an insane deal. Yeah. So now he's like, this is crazy. I'm going to settle out in the countryside. I'm going to buy a farm with this money. So I guess Bruce just wasn't trying hard enough. But um, basically, he's constantly referencing, like, hearing laughter. And Joker's like, oh, must be memories. And, of course, he loves that reveal Mm -hmm. of the theater being filled with laughing, Joker-fied people. And he kind of reveals that's his plan for all of Gotham. His new plan is to fill every theater with Joker people. Mm Mm-hmm. We get to see a little bit about the underbroker, yeah. which shocked me because I thought he was in the cool zone. In the cool room, yeah. The cool so room with a penguin. I was say maybe he made a breakout or something. But... Unless there's an impersonator. Oh. Because oh. this guy we see facing off with Commissioner Bullock is Mr. Graves, the lawyer. 
And the yeah. lawyer, we see him put on the underbroker's outfit, mm-hmm. and people start referring to him as Mr. Underbroker. So that guy in the cool room could be an imposter? He could be. I did say in the last episode that I feel like Joker has a guy on the inside. It could be, or maybe is Mr. Graves the imposter? Mm. But then mm-hmm. it would still mean that the original underbroker right. betrayed Catwoman. So, yeah, maybe that wasn't a foreshadowing of some kind. Mm. We'll find out. Yep. I totally forgot he was in the cold room. There's this moment where Joker is sort of explaining his thesis about humanity to the blind theater owner. Mm -hmm. The theater owner is saying why the theater isn't popular anymore. He's like, no one comes here. I think nobody wants to see the same movies they've seen a million times before. And Joker disagrees. He says that's not true. People want to see basically the same old thing. They want things to be exactly where they left them. But they want to see layers underneath. They want to see that there was more there than they originally saw. And it kind of parallels what Tinian's doing with Batman. Yeah. He's keeping him where we want him. This is the original Batman. This is the Batman from our childhoods. This is the Batman from the animated series that he grew up with. And Tinian, if I can stretch out a theory here, he wants those characters where he left them. He doesn't want the new edgy Batman who runs people over with his car. (laughs) He doesn't want a broken Bruce who can't pull himself up by his bootstraps but needs to go cry in a corner. He doesn't want things to be radically different, reimagined in like a a new way. Mm -hmm. He wants those characters that he grew up with, that same old, if we're referring to his spoken love of the animated series, he wants that Mark Hamill Joker, whose voice he captures beautifully. He wants that Kevin Conroy Batman. Mm -hmm. But he wants to see them not push to their limits, he wants to see under the hood. He wants to see how much depth there was there that we didn't get to see before to see if he can pull more out of them than we've mined them for stories Mm -hmm. before, but like to see where they'll go from here and if they can become deeper characters through this arc, which was incredibly encouraging. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because this is is what we all want. We want more of the same, Mm -hmm. but different. We Mm -hmm. want those characters, what we want more I thought he nailed like the comic books like with that statement alone because exactly, that is what we want. We want to see these same stories. Maybe not exactly played out on a loop, yeah, but something new each time, but we want these same characters. We don't want them to have to be changed in order to fit the new scenario. Yeah, and like you said, this is Tinian's way of saying, I don't like what Tom King did. I don't like what New 52 mm-hmm. did. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, he's going back to the Batman that everyone knows and loves, but he's going to give us new stories. You can see his appreciation for Batman. It's more like he's slowly trying to form him back into how we remember yeah. Batman. It's working. Yes. Honestly, yeah. I like this Batman. This is Batman pushed to his limits again. He's not at his best because he's had to deal with Slade, he's mm-hmm. been stabbed. Remember last time yeah. with the rawr, punching windows, mm-hmm. broken leg? He's been stabbed through the leg, through the upper leg, yeah. by a blade from Slade. And he doesn't know where Catwoman is. And he doesn't have time to worry about her. He's dealing with the loss of Alfred. He's worried about Lucius. Mm-hmm. He's worried about probably Nightwing, because I think there was something cryptic said about him at some point. And also, his entire fortune and his bat cave, all of his bat tools have Everything been stolen being from exposed. him. He's being hunted, too, by 
the Joker's gang, the GCPD, the feds, everyone is on Batman's case. Both Batman and Bruce Wayne. So keep in mind, in the recent events that we've experienced, we've had Batman jilted at the altar and completely come to pieces. We've had a squatter in his house, who was his dad from an alternate dimension, who uh, was keeping his whole family hostage. We've had the dark multiverse event with that horrifying Batman who laughs Mm -hmm. and the um, the Grim Knight. The Grim Knight, right. So you have all these weirdos like running around causing complete chaos and he's never had his life disrupted like this. And so even when he was on the run with Batman and and Superman, he's never been this exposed. And yet he isn't a different Batman. No. He's not falling to pieces. He's not suddenly changing his code. He's not acting out of character. He's completely that Batman we know and love. And he's dealing with this in the way he always deals with problems from our childhood, right? Mm -hmm. He analyzes the problem. He tries to come up with a solution. And yeah, there's a little bit of like flashbacks and sappy remembering (laughs) and nostalgia. But down to the core of it, he is problem solving, he's deducing, he is trying his best with what he has, and he's not breaking character. And it's still like that, I can't focus on this when this is going on right now. This needs me right now. It really reminds me of Nightfall Batman. Pushed to his limits, trying to put it all on himself, which kind of is here because he doesn't have a support system. Alfred's gone. He's trying to use Lucius. Lucius can't be his Alfred. Well, at the same time, he doesn't have his regular Bat family Mm -mm, either. Because they're all off doing other things. Mm -hmm. I do feel like we've brought that up once before too in a couple of the earlier issues of Tinian's run. We were comparing a couple things to Nightfall. Yeah. Yep. I am so sick of people constantly bagging on him of his being like mentally ill. Like you can't have a sane person do this. And I'm like, it's the only same thing to do in Gotham. Yeah. Gotham is an insane place. And if you try to deal with it the normal way, you get eaten up. Or killed. The rogues are celebrities because the rogues are the only ones who survive and thrive in this environment. And so if you are just a run-of-the-mill celebrity, you're not going to make it. Like, mm-hmm. he adapted to the city in a way that made sense. The way he thinks about things, it's very methodical. He's very used to compartmentalizing. And we see that constantly. And so, like, in this one, too, there's a lot of that compartmentalization, yep. which honestly helps the story move forward really well. So Batman has decided, well, I have contingencies, but not out of the ordinary contingencies regular contingencies and one of them is a secret bat cave that he has squirreled away i think it's in wayne enterprises yeah yep so it's a super secret one known only to him and lucius and as soon as he breaks in of course because lucius spilled the beans he gets ambushed by punchline yeah punchline pretty much beats him up because she's op as fuck (laughs) also because she has a special little extra helper so Punchline basically ambushes Batman with her own concoction of the fear toxin, the Joker formula, and Venom. Which, okay, <laughs> it's, it's a little childish. And also because she's like, I filled your cave with poison, it's my own special blend, and I'm immune. <laughs> and you're like, 
Excuse me? This man has had all of those injected into his system multiple yeah. times. How are you immune? <laughs> if she comes in with a respirator or something, it would give it away. Okay. And then maybe does something, but like, it's just so weird because I understand it would affect him quote unquote faster because he's wounded, but at the same time, it's going to affect her faster because she's so dang tiny. And he's just yeah. a big beefy man who's 6'1", filled with muscle, and has been, as you said, injected with ferrotoxin, injected with venom, mm-hmm. and Joker's formula multiple times. I don't know how he hasn't had a mild immunity to it. The only thing yeah. I can think of is like kind of like the flu shot. You know, it's like a different strand, especially mm-hmm. now that you're mixing all three of these things into one concoction. I still don't like how OP she is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like her costume, and I can see more detail now. I like it less. Why does her shirt not only have freckles on it, but why does it have, like, drawn-on, like, chest hair? It has swirlies, but only on her chest. Well, actually, like, I forget. I think it's a Miller Jimenez cover of it, or maybe it was Art Germs. It's kind of like leopard print. Ah, but it doesn't extend the whole way. No. It's just on her chest here. It doesn't even extend up her neck. So it kind of makes her look like she has a hairy chest. <laughs> the side effect of the toxin. <laughs> <laughs> she has those freckles, but she also like laughs into her hands like a little like, schoolgirl. Yeah. It's so bizarre how people treat her. I'm still not sure what her personality is. A lot of the comments or... are kind of like that too, right? People hate her. People hate her, and in my opinion, rightfully so. <laughs> the way she was introduced, it was like, hey guys, this is you. This is what you guys look like, you Hot Topic weirdos. (laughs) Here's an amalgamation of you Hot Topic fangirls. She's a fangirl who went to college. Woo! She wrote a thesis on Joker. What? And now she's here. And she and Joker are kissing in the hallways. And guess what? She and Joker are gonna kick your ass. And so then she goes around like just beating up people like Harley Quinn. You're like... What's this co-ed's background? How is she better than, like, a career gymnast <laughs> criminal like Harley Quinn? You know who's a better Harley Quinn replacement? Duella Dent? Yeah. Do you guys remember yeah. her? I, well, she was part of the Teen Titans for a time. Yeah, oh, she was yes. She was weirdly, like, either. Joker's daughter and then, like, Two-Face's daughter and then <laughs> back to Joker's daughter. Again. This girl has some issues but i like, mean that was kind of like damien back and forth with like is he bruce's son or is he deathstroke's son yeah but at least like you'd be like okay this person's sort of like legacy mm-hmm. they're kind of a crazy kid of this person but she's just like yeah i wrote a paper and he picked me out of i get guess i get the joker scholarship and it's <laughs> just like what why are you here get leave <laughs> And so there's a lot of that where it's just like she's sort of running the show on equal terms with Joker. Mm-hmm. She's not even like a henchman. Like he treats her way better than he ever treated her. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. And it's very confusing as to why or what he has in store for her or why she's so special. But she's there. She's in everybody's faces and she's annoying. I wonder if it's because like she's not really obsessed with him per se like Harley was. She's more obsessed with like what he does. She does like yeah. to kill a lot. She's mm-hmm. definitely into it, but she doesn't even have like a background where you're like, oh, that makes sense. No, she was just a it's just standout college, kids. college kid. Yeah, yeah, college kids, man. They're like this these days. <laughs> so anyways, she's just awful, which I guess it's college kids. 
Maybe Tanya needs to stick to already existing characters because some of his original characters have been a little less than wonderful. Yeah, we haven't really been a fan. Her outfit really bothers me a lot. It's just so all over. The only original characters I do like that he has created was the Upside Down Man in Justice League Dark. I'm pretty certain he's not a pre-existing character. Hecate a little bit. I don't know if they've done stuff with Hecate before. And, um... Oh, the designer. I liked the designer. You liked the designer? Well, it was just an interesting concept. Just, like, there's this guy that's in the shadows that's been manipulating people and kind of that kind of thing. Like, he's an Mm -hmm. interesting concept. Most of his new characters have been villains, but some of his new villains, like Mr. Teeth and... Gunsmith. Gunsmith and Punchline have just been a very underwhelming, to say the yeah. least. I gotta say, in top 10 worst designs, <laughs> designer definitely hits up there. Because it's just like this constant thing. And I think I was telling Joe earlier, like mm-hmm. that moment from Iron Giant when like the mom talks to that artist guy and she's just like, I don't like how this one looks like you just slapped a bunch of stuff on there. Like, no thought put into this at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it feels like with a lot of these characters. And I know he didn't design them himself. Like, I know that he... He gave kind of like a broad um, yeah. description to Jimenez and then Jimenez designed them. Yeah, but like the designs, the outfits, like Punchline's boob shoelaces really annoy me. Like, she has this punk rock skater girl thing going on. But like... None of it forwards the story. Like with Harley Quinn, her original look was lean. Mm-hmm. It all fit what she was. Like none of it was wasted. And I feel like that's a lot of like the original villains. Not like original original back in the day because a lot of those were messy. <laughs> but like if we're going back to the animated series and we're going to hold that up as like the standard. Mm-hmm. Those all had really clean outfits that all made sense with the character. Punchline, it's just for some reason my shirt is ripped. For some reason, I'm wearing a fringe cape that goes halfway down like I'm going to Coachella. For some reason, I've got like these little bell weird things in my hair. For some reason, I've got like a streak of dye that doesn't match. I also have like X's nose on things and like the bare minimum of like clown makeup to make me still look hot. Color-wise, it it fits. Like she's not like a, a crazy mess like in like The Birds of Prey. <laughs> When Harley Quinn was just like, I found this in a dumpster. I'm going to wear it (laughs) to prom. Like, it's all these people. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Like, it matches his color palette. Yeah. Like, it matches color-wise. Story-wise, it doesn't fit at all. No. It doesn't fit her concept. But, like, what does she have going for her? Rather than being a hipster wannabe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she's very one-dimensional. Okay, yeah, the designer, his design was ridiculous. This man, you can kind of base off of the fact that he's talking to some of the biggest rogues. He has a motivation of just design and cause chaos with some of the evilest plots. Like, okay. Yeah, it was kind of reminded me of Court of Owls a little bit. Like, he's always been there. And that was interesting for the one issue he was in. Mm-hmm. I'll agree with you. He was yeah. an interesting character. But if we're talking about designs, can we talk about the Alfred-designed Batsuit? Please do, because that thing is amazing. So Batman discovers this... (laughs) (laughs) He discovers a Batsuit that Punchline points out to him. She's like, 
you know, I found your secret bunker, which is very cool. He pushes a button on the side of a build and it opens into a bat-shaped opening that he can get into or even fly a bat plane into. Yeah, look, I appreciate his branding. I always have. I'm a huge fan of his branding. It's it's great. So I take tips. (laughs) You do. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes in there and punchline, you know, she surprised him. She yells at him. She punches him sometimes a little. She kicks him a couple times, and then she's like laughing at him, and she's making fun of him for having a cool bunker that he hasn't gotten to use yet. She said, we found out that this is what you plan to use after you've united Gotham. This is like the good bunker that you haven't gone to yet. And she says, we even found your super optimistic costume that you'll never get to wear now. And he looks over his shoulder and he's like, I haven't seen this. Did Lucius design it? And Lucius is on the line. And he says, no, I found it on the computer and I thought it was you. So clearly this is... A reference to the opening where Alfred has so entwined himself in Bruce's life as this positive force, this force of hope, and he's always hoped that Batman will be this shining symbol of light. And you see this cowl where all of Batman's black is, because right now he's wearing the gray and black suit. All of the gray is replaced by this high-tech, shiny black, mm-hmm. and all the black is replaced by either pale blue or white. I think it's like a pale blue right i would say it's a silver and it's just the light reflecting on it that works for me because just because of the blue walls surrounding the area it kind of reminds me of his suit in gothtopia did you guys ever read gothtopia Mm -mm. no if it was new 52 i didn't read any (laughs) well scarecrow puts the entire town of gotham into some sort of like weird coma and i think he uses poison ivy spores to do it and everyone is under the impression that Gotham has been reformed. It's a beautiful, shining city like Metropolis. Everyone is a hope-based hero. Everyone gets cool new names. Uh, Catwoman is now called Catbird, and she wears Robin colors. Oh my She's god! Batman's sidekick. <laughs> Batman wears kind of a white and blue cowl. Batgirl is now called something like Bluebell, and then Batwoman was called like Bright Bat. I think Bright Bat. Oh, so, God. <laughs> they all have like really optimistic names and Bruce sort of starts to come out of it like realizing that they're all being suckers and basically Scarecrow is keeping them under because he wants to up their fear levels. Like he's experimenting to see if he can make fear more terrifying by kidnapping citizens and experimenting on them after they've been living this sort of placid happy lifestyle and he can basically rewrite them out of people's memory i think and so it's one of those sorts of stories where it's like you walk into it and you don't know what's happening you're like what's going on until like the other shoe drops but batman did have a cool outfit in that like most of them had cool like new outfits except for catwoman hers was terrible but this is kind of almost in that same vein it's like it's a dream that alfred had that one day Gotham would be more like Metropolis. It would be the city of hope and innovation and Bruce Wayne would be happy. And I know like this outfit was teased for me uh, because I followed both Tinian and Jimenez on Twitter and Instagram and Jimenez teased all his variant covers for Joker War and this bat suit is going to be on the cover for issue 100. 
And then I got confused because last episode I said that Nightwing was going to return for Batman 95, but I misread it. It's actually going to be Batman uh, 99. Oh, that's that going to be a Nightwing's while. coming back. All right. So basically, uh, last looks, just to let you know, when I say Alfred bookends, Bruce does hear Alfred's voice. I'm not going to spoil what he says, but it, it hurts a lot. But it's because of the... The fear toxin. It mm-hmm. does that, you know? You start to hallucinate a little bit, and it's it's sad. But honestly, like, this whole issue, I would give it a 9 out of 10. It really yeah, stepped it up. It was insanely good. I'm right there with you with 9 out of 10. It loses a point mm-hmm. for having Punchline exist. Understandably. Yeah. <laughs> I would like her to leave immediately. <laughs> but I know we have to wait this one out. I know. Well, apparently they keep advertising her like she's here to stay, so I was expecting Joker to kill her off at the end of all this because she didn't work out after all. But I don't know. We'll see. It's still really early to tell. I mean, they do have the checklist out too, so this could take a couple months. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one. A lot more than my comic, which, again, was Action Comics. I really don't even want to talk about it. It's just, I'm going to be saying the same things I say every time I bring up Bendis' work on Superman. It sucks. It's out of character. The only things I will say is this is part two of the House of Kent story arc. Red Cloud, who is Bendis' creation, tries to kill Lois and Jimmy until Clark... Connor and John show up to save the day. She then tells them to go back to space where they belong and then at the end of the issue the FBI show up at the Daily Planet and start going through everybody's desks. Mm. I still don't know about that because it's a Bendis comic so you know you have the giant thing at the end so you have to wait until the next issue to come out so you can look more into that. Exactly. It'll go on for like two pages and then that's it. But apparently, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen are the best damn investigative reporters that have ever existed for the Daily Planet, and they should be part of the Bat family. That's how good detectives they are. Oh my God. Jimmy Olsen, who's known Robinson Good for about a month, was able to recognize her as a demonic red cloud being that he <laughs> saw for the very first time. Lois couldn't even put that together. Meanwhile, she glances over at the three Kryptonians that all look alike to come save the day, and she notices one in a leather jacket and a fade cut, and asks Clark immediately, who is this? Because he looks like he's you and Lex Luthor combined. A, that is stupid. (laughs) He is barely Lex in any incarnation. Even he didn't figure that out, and he lived with the man. (laughs) Like, how does he look like Lex Luthor? He has pretty much almost 90% Clark genes. Unless you're going with the animated movie universe that we just saw that he was in for, like, a movie and a half. He did have Lex's eyes, but, like, how is she gonna see the eyes from way up there? Listen, I'm not a great detective investigative reporter. I don't know the things that Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen can see. But they were able to crack this shit. Did she see a ginger hair hiding in there? Did she, like, detect his genes for male pattern baldness? (laughs) (laughs) But in a ten second glance, she was able to deduce, uh, yes, this is my husband and 
his arch nemesis's love child. Now, why is he here? And of course, Clark is always going like, oh, well, it's a, it's a lot to explain right now. And Lois is like, you need to explain it right now. Oh, god! And then something else happens. So, of course, your attention goes over there. He really should have just said, Lois, Lois, listen to me. I had an affair with Lex Luthor. Now can you shut up? <laughs> we have other things to do. He's like, just because you decided to move back to Metropolis doesn't mean you can go back to bossing me around. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Anyway, there was another stupid scene where Superman and Connor and John, they go to like this, some type of shady club deal that's owned by Miss Leone, who is another Bendis character. Owns the Daily Planet, also in charge of this invisible mafia group. So, Clark goes in with his shirt unbuttoned, so you see the Superman symbol, but he has his glasses on and everything. The guys in the room don't believe he's actually Superman, so they shoot him, and they find out he's bulletproof. And he's like, oh, you're in for it now. And then it cuts to Miss Leone and Red Cloud talking, and their security guard says that the club was busted! And it shrunk, and he holds it out in the palm of his hand. And she's like, how does this happen? And you cut back again, because stupid storytelling. John apparently got a shrink ray from Brainiac 5, because Brainiac 5 went with John back to the present in the last issue of this. And they call it the Candor, and they shrunk the club with all the mobsters and everything inside. Before that, Connor jumps in. He's like, when you see your boss, you go and tell them. And then John charges up the thing. And he's like, sup. And then he shrinks the building. Excuse me. Even Uh, more crazy to look at in person. Like, I'm looking over his shoulder reading this. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm looking at this. This is such a pile of garbage. Also, the fact that John looks so aggressively angry could also be because of John Romita Jr.'s art. He's holding this giant two-handed shrink ray in one hand because Kryptonian super strength, but he has it at the side. He's he's... side-whipping the shrink ray. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sucks Uh, so much. It was just so bad. And like Brainiac said like maybe two things in this whole thing. Oh, Brainiac's still here? Brainiac 5 is still there because he was there on the farm with everybody. And then the three Kryptonian boys flew off to go save Lois and Jimmy. Martha and Jonathan are looking at this green alien in their yard. They're like, um, would you like some lemonade? And then Brainiac is like, is that a tractor? And then it cuts. Oh my god. (laughs) Also the fact that like, they barged into the room to save Lois and Jimmy. And Clark has like some side hip thrust pose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As he's like, what are you doing here? He looks like he was about to start flossing. (laughs) (laughs) It was so bad. And then you see John over his shoulder. He's like, hi, mom. And Lois is like being choked to death. She's like, hi, sweetie. I didn't know you were coming back to Earth now. He does seem to find his mom in the most compromising positions, like on the daily. Um, in the shower, about to take off a robe, Ugh. and now being choked to death by a red demon. Were there tentacles? There were. He saw his mom being choked out by a tentacle monster, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Childhood trauma. This is why he wants to live in the future away from his parents. Yep. But back to Brainiac 5. Why is he yeah. here? He is just being Mr. Squeaky McThirdwheel over here, not contributing to the plot. 
It was just to show basically where John was coming from for people that aren't reading Legion of Superheroes. You could have put that in an asterisk. Check out the Legion of Superheroes to learn more about where John's been, kind of thing, and just ended at that. Like you could have. <laughs> also, the fact that in the very beginning they did do a story recap of everything that's happened, and they just took a similar page from uh, last issue where Clark was interviewing Connor in the Fortress of Solitude, but Kellex is narrating all the events that have happened for the reader, and you have these circles that are going around Clark and Connor's heads. In those circles is Kryptonian. Clark's, it says Clark Kent Superman. Connor's, it says Connor Kent Superboy. If it's Kryptonian circles and they're in the fortress and it's being scanned by Kellex, the Kryptonian artificial intelligence, why would it say Clark Kent and Connor Kent and not Connell and Kal-El? Or at least like put some type of quotations around Connor's since they don't even know if what he's saying is true yet. So it'd be like, this being is supposedly Connor Kent, supposedly Superboy. Or question marks? Yeah, something. That is really weird. I remember you shared that. Yeah. Connor having a name in the system makes no sense, but the fact that it's not even their Kryptonian name. Exactly. The only thing I think of, because, you know, you can't scan somebody's blood if they're not in your system and be like, oh, this is their name. It says it right here on their genome. Doesn't Kellex call Clark Kal-El pretty and much every single time? And he does in the narration. He says Kal-El and Superman, but on the circle it says Clark Kent and Kryptonian. Yep. And at the end of it, Jimmy is going to tell Perry White about all that's happened. He's like, you're going to have to tell me later, Jimmy, because the FBI are here. And you just see them raiding through everybody's desks and stuff. Why are the FBI there? Uh, we don't know until next week. <laughs> that's Bendis. But yeah, I gave it a 1 out of 10. I hate it so much. I want it to stop. I want it to end. I am getting so much joy out of reading Robert Venditti's Superman Man of Tomorrow Walmart Giant stuff. It is so good. Each issue is a one shot and you are getting exactly what you want you're getting clark kent you're getting superman you're getting the secret identity you're having all of that it's amazing and i'm also watching 90s lois and clark with dean king and it's also very cheesy but it's so much better than what i'm getting here but yeah that's what i have and that concludes our dc stories for this week so muse i know marvel has a huge event going on right now you have been talking about the preludes of it you did a whole hijacks video for it so what is going on with marvel this week all right so i was initially just gonna cover issue two of empire but i could not pass up the opportunity to cover lords of empire hulkling because it was almost sheer perfection i usually don't praise comics this ridiculously but it was so good um it was written by chip sadarsky and anthony oliviera and the artist is um manuel garcia so it takes place around the same time as incoming issue one we got a little bit of it if for those of you who have read incoming there was a small section where hulkling gets a phone call sees lights flash in his apartment goes in to see and it's his fiance it's wiccan So they kind of have this little bit of a heart-to-heart, but you don't see much of it because it's very, very short. And he's only given an hour before he's pretty much being whisked away by the Korean the scroll. But you don't really know. They kept it very ambiguous in that because Incoming was kind of setting up Empire and Outlawed. 
this flushed a lot of that out. You get the backstory for Teddy Altman and you kind of see what actually happened during this little piece in a giant comic. But Billy and Teddy throughout this entire comic, the moments that they do have are just adorable and there's teeth rotting fluff. And I'm very happy about the writing with them because they can be written very poorly sometimes. Because it's like, oh, they're teenage kids, they're hip with the lingo and stuff, which they are, and they make so many nerdy references. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, they make references to She-Ra, but there were really sweet moments between them, and a lot of them were also very romantic, which we haven't seen too much of them being romantic in a long time, because they've been kind of background characters for a while. And there is so many moments where just, like, Teddy's just looking down at uh, Billy as he's waking up and he's like what are you looking at and he's like I'm looking at my everything and just it was so sweet the look on his face it kind of goes into a really important pivotal moment later on but it starts out he's getting a text actually from Wiccan that takes place I'm pretty certain it was in one of the early issues of Strike Force. he's like taking a selfie of himself with the rest of like these really top tier heroes um, and he gets asked out to go just have fun with Tommy who is Billy Kaplan, his weird twin brother, and David, who is in the Young Avengers with them. But apparently they go out to a gay bar. So a lot of it is a lot of introspective with Teddy kind of dealing with his relationship with Billy, feeling uh, left out because he's on a whirlwind trip and he's just left in New York by himself. (laughs) Poor baby. Uh, one of the things that I found out, apparently Tommy and David are together, which, huge shocker, they had a little bit of character interaction in Volume 2 of Young Avengers, but we haven't seen either of them really since then. That was a huge, just, little moment, but they're just talking, and a Korean scroll show up, and they're like, we need you to come with us. They explain, like, that they're here to, like, escort him because they need him due to a threat in the universe. And Teddy is kind of confused. He's like, got the wrong guy. Like, okay, yeah, I'm half Kree, half Skrull, but I, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Well, some Skrull purists show up and they're like, kill like the, the hybrid. So they start attacking, fight breaks out. And here's one of my issues. When they get into this fight, Tommy gets punched. We don't actually see it. He's a speedster. He would be zipping around punching people very quickly. Like, how would he have gotten hit in the head unless someone really outsmarted him? Even a Flash gets hit. He does, but I don't know. Smiled, gripe. So this comes to Teddy's attention that, okay, I need to do something. This is when they give him that one hour to make his decision. He sees the Flash in his apartment and goes in and there's Wiccan. But we actually get that scene more fleshed out because when I went into Empire and in when I read Incoming, I was like, did he even tell him or did he just sit there cuddling on the couch for an hour? Like, mm-hmm. Does his fiance not even know why he's in space or what he's doing? He is. He told him. Talking to Wiccan kind of helps really solidify, like, yes, this is something I need to do. When he gets whisked off to space, Wiccan accompanies him. And it's actually kind of adorable. But one of the Kree generals is treating him like he's lesser than them they're like yo he's just your pet monkey is here here for entertainment and wiccan's like excuse me what now and teddy just kind of stands there while billy's being insulted and he just goes back home he's like um i'm gonna put a he puts a little protection spell on the their Mm -hmm. engagement ring 
he leaves. This is when Teddy's introduced to this, the Kree, Generals, and the Skrull, including the Super Skrull. Mm-hmm. And for some odd reason, he decks him in the face. Yes, he murdered your mother. Yes, he outed you for being a Skrull and a Kree. I get it. But did you forget that at the end of The Young Avengers, he pretended to be you so you could stay on Earth? I don't know. That was a little, like, continuity. Stuff happens. He has a really sweet moment where he's like, before we do anything, I need to go here. It's this random asteroid, and it's where Captain Marvel died. So it's kind of him finally making closure with his father and finally acknowledging it kind of puts that side to rest. They get attacked by Cree loyalist. His entire thing is being um, nonviolent. He doesn't want anyone to die, even if they attack them. It's all going to be non-lethal. And Teddy kind of realizes in this situation, you can't do that in war because the opposing side is going to get away and they're going to do something even worse. But in this, he's about to get really hurt and his ring, the protection spell activates and Wiccan comes in. He uses it as like a homing beacon. It's like he's kind of star sapphired his way onto the ship. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Super Scroll didn't like this human monkey being here and tried to restrain Wiccan for some odd reason. Teddy threatens him and is like, <laughs> and they didn't mm-hmm. like it. They're like, oh, you would side with him? We refuse to allow our emperor to consort with humans or have a human consort. Like, you must denounce him or factions will happen in the armada. I thought they were, like, urgently in need of him. They seem to not really understand the gravity of the situation. But, like, later on you find out that the one who's urging him to break off his relationship with him is plotting against him. So I think she's trying to weaken him for whatever reason. We see her talking to the Kree that had attacked them earlier and was like, I'm sorry, we couldn't kill the hybrid. And she's like, no, you did your job. I managed to get rid of him. Uh, But he didn't. There was a really sad moment. Mostly I didn't like it because it hurt. And I did cry. (laughs) But uh, the Alliance forced Teddy to break up with Billy. And the words, it just really hurts. And Wiccan leaves. Stuff happens. And Teddy's just sitting there distraught because of just everything that had happened. The Kree attack, losing Billy, and then all of a sudden Billy just pops up beside him. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean any of it. I was lying. And he's like, you're a terrible liar. Like, I knew you. Like, they have a sweet little moment. Billy's like, I understand. Like, you need to do this. Um, I'll be waiting at home. I'll be waiting for my prince. And then he leaves. And that's kind of where it ends. Just sounds like a fluffy fanfic. It was so fluffy. Sounds real sappy. It was so sappy and sweet, but I think it was necessary because we didn't really get much of them as individual characters. They're usually either in a cast of other characters, and we've never actually gotten their relationship on the forefront. The reason they might have given us this huge fluffy thing is because they're finally going to go along with their wedding. So, or maybe it's filler. It could be. It sounded fillery. It sounded so sappy. It sounded like it couldn't even be officially published. Oh, it was great. The plot seemed to be lacking. Ugh. What is the plot exactly? I think it was mostly filling in the gaps between issue one of Empire and what happened around Incoming. I was just going to say, it sounds like it's just trying to explain, hey, this is how Hulkling gets involved. I think that's what it was. I enjoyed it a lot, but that's because I am looking at it through my fangirl glasses of just like, yes, I haven't had much content with these two in so long. You enjoyed it, and that's what matters, Muse. 
Yep. Do you think other people enjoy it who aren't fans of the couple? Um. Because if you had me go into this blind, I would have dropped it page two. Yeah, no, for those who have no understanding of the two, I don't know if they would really enjoy it. But I think if they were fans of just Young Avengers in general and did enjoy these characters, I think they would appreciate it. If you didn't have the background from reading anything to do with them before, I don't think you would really care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so sorry that you just fangirled for nothing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, we weren't able to to. join in with you because we don't really shit these guys or know these guys or. All I saw when I skimmed through it was two buck naked boys <laughs> bucking. Yes. Wow. They didn't just close doors it. Oh, well, that was like DC too with Superboy and Wonder Girl during Infinite Crisis. True. Yeah. During the annual. That's silhouettes, but still. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was a good way to end this week's comic. So. <laughs> Love triumphs, guys. Sometimes it's. Well, sometimes it's just love and not a lot of else <laughs> in that comic. <laughs> Character development is important. It is. It and is. clearly it hit a home run with you. Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes I do wonder because I'll read these comics and I'll be like, wow, this sucked <laughs> from stem to stern to steal a, a turn of phrase. But maybe somebody out there liked it. And now I've gotten to see that. <laughs> that other side <laughs> where like a person's just like it's my ship and i don't get to see mm-hmm. a lot of it so i don't care in what form it comes as long as i get to see them smooch <laughs> i'm happy <laughs> it wasn't just like oh hey here's fan service it was fan servicey and the regard of like here's really good character here's character moments you haven't seen in a long time you know what mushy words are still fan service okay whether it's in the words or the art (laughs) it's fan service and you just got hit with a double whammy of it i did i really did I'm so glad you were enjoying it, because, like, you came into the chat, you were, like, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like, I just had a wonderful experience, everyone. Gather round. Gather round. (laughs) But it isn't going to be for everyone, unfortunately. But I enjoyed it. If anyone who's listening does like this or is interested in Young Avengers, go go read it. It is good. We'll tag Hulkling so we can, like, appeal to anyone looking for that tag. It'll be tagged. Oh, no, I will tag it. (laughs) We know you will. (laughs) But that was this week's that we had to talk about. So, V, could you read out the other comics that came out this week? It was pretty light for DC, actually. Yeah, comparatively. Yeah, Marvel actually has more out than DC this week. They did. Well, with Wonder Comics, we get Amethyst number four. Did did anybody read that? I don't touch anything from this title if I don't have to. Uh, I forgot. (laughs) The Wonder Comics is like that bright coloring on poisonous frogs. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) Wonder Comics? Oh, I thank you. I'll just sidestep that. Moving around it. All right. Batgirl 47. Batman Beyond number 45. That was great. I really love that one. Yeah? I guess it was kind of fan service. You're getting the futuristic family all together now. Yeah. You got Damien in there, you have Dick in there, Dick's daughter, Barbara's in there, Terry, his brother, Bruce, all working together to stop this force that 
overthrew Damien as the demon head. Goodness. And they're trying to create an ice age on Earth. How badly did Damien age? He's like 30s. He looks like he's Terry's age. Oh, okay. But he decided to lead the League of Assassins instead of continue with the Bat family. Okay. Because, like we've discussed, in order for Batman Beyond to work, you have to have, like, mm-hmm. a really sad ending for Batman. Yeah. I just jumped onto this run with Batwoman's first appearance, mm-hmm. or the new Batwoman, which comes yes. out to be... Well, anyway, that's enough from me. <laughs> Continue. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, number 45. And, uh... We got the Sandman books. We got Book of Magic, number 21. Listen, Books of Magic started off so great, I don't even know why I dropped it. It's it's probably going on, and it's probably blowing somebody's mind. Or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Detective 1024. It was... It concludes in that regular Tomasi way of just very, like, quickly <laughs> nipping in the bud. I hate that. But, I mean, it was pretty interesting. Who was the flavor this week? It was still Two-Face. It was concluding that arc and also expanding more on Joker War. Yeah. I meant to read it and I didn't, so I'm glad to hear I missed nothing. Great. On to the next villain. (laughs) We'll just ruin them. All right. Flash 758. That was good. He is just literally letting the Flash have it every which way that you don't think is possible. Right. Like, right now with this one, I just kind of closed the book. I'm like, what the hell did I just read? How is this even possible to happen? I'm not going to say what. You know when you do that, I have to read it. Well, that's why. Rude. (laughs) I mean, I did tell you what happened, but... I don't remember. I know. Okay, so Joker, (laughs) Harley, Criminal Sanity, Secret Files, number one. So I'm confused with this one. I think it was supposed to come out the week that we did Green Lantern's 80th. But maybe something happened with the printing, and now it's out. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember Aiden's very violent reaction to mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yep. <sighs> okay, so what about Justice League Dark 24? Any readers? Yes. This was Bramview's first issue by himself without Tenant. Doing an incredible job. It's leading in to now figuring out getting Zatanna's dad out of the clutches of the Upside Down Man. So that's kind of it. It was setting oh, that up. Exciting. The team's a little fractured after... The previous events, so mm-hmm. I think that was Tinian's way of being like, make the group come back. And so Ram V is going to be able to do it. It was pretty good. Okay. High hopes for Ram V. Good for him. Well, and the last one on the list is Shazam number 13. I have to reread that one, honestly. I read that, I was very distracted when reading that, so it wasn't making a lot of sense as I was reading it. Like, the words were going in. But oh. the comprehension with the pictures just... But that's you with Shazam every week. No, not every week. Usually it's casual read for me. It has been a while since Shazam. Uh, most of it was just Shazam family fighting the different monsters. Mm. Stuff happens. You Billy Batson's dad never actually came to find him. He was just a petty thief. Mr. Mind infected his brain and has been puffing him around. And needs Shazam's power to unlock all of the different realms. Yeah. What? Oh my gosh. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But Muse, don't stop. Tell us about the Marvel titles that came out this week. All right. Marvel had a lot, and I read about half of them. So for Marvel, we had The Amazing Spider-Man, Sin's Rising Prelude, issue one. We also had Daredevil 24, Empire 2, of course was pretty good. Still kind of setting up with what's going on. You get more in depth into the Kotati's plan, especially what the reason why Koi 
is doing what he's doing. Uh, it's all I kind of really know. They gave some backstory at one point. And so the reason he's doing this is to get rid of pretty much any type of human-like race. Actual humans, Kree, Skrull, gone. They're going to take over and plantify the entire galaxy. Starting with Earth, of course. So and that's Empire 2? That was Empire 2. Mm-hmm. So Empire Avengers... Yeah, Empire Avengers was focusing on the Avengers side of things, so it takes place right after Empire 2, and the Avengers are kind of sending teams of people down to hotspots on Earth that need help. And then kind of similar with the Empire X-Men, it's just X-Men's point of view? So apparently Wanda wanted forgiveness, I think, from the mutants or something. She goes down to Genosha, where all the mutants got murderized, and she decided to be like, hey... I want you all to live. Turns out there are a horde of zombie mutants now on Genosha. And they still all have their mutant powers too, so Marvel Zombies. My favorite. Yeah, that was a weird time in Marvel history. Mm. I remember that one vividly. I didn't even go to comic book shops at that time. I was just like going to Barnes and Noble and it was just <laughs> like every time I walked in there was a big table of Marvel Zombies. I didn't read any of Marvel Zombies, but we're getting a revival, but with just the mutants. But we also have the free comic book day issue of Spider-Man Venom number one. Nice. Uh, Hellions number two, New Mutants 11, Star Wars Dr. Aphra number two, Wolverine number three, and finally, the end of X-Men Fantastic Four in issue four. So there is something for me to read in Marvel this week. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it for Joe. Okay. But it was good. Good ending. It was an interesting ending. They kind of come to an understanding, but it does come on a little quickly, and a lot of it was done in giant dialogue. They're both admitting fault, and they're both going to take the blame on not being reasonable adults when it comes to Franklin's fate, and that was kind of where it ended. So We have a little bit of news also. I'm going to bring it over for V to read for our DC Comics news. Oh, the DC news. Why do you guys like you're both laughing like you just gave me a box and I opened it and found a dead raccoon? (laughs) You dick. (laughs) Alright, well, guess what, everyone? You thought Tom Keen was dead? You were wrong. He's back and he's bigger than ever. And he's not taking on Batman. He's taking on a Batman facsimile with the Rorschach (laughs) book with 12-issue maxi-series this October. This October, get ready for Tom Keen to ruin another character that you love. Get ready to have Rorschach be super tragic and possibly a bigot. More than usual. You know why? Because he always was, and you were wrong for liking him, and Tom Keen is going to show you the error of your ways. Get ready to hate everything, as one of your childhood nostalgic memories is ripped from your brain by a supervillain of the First Order, former I was in the CIA, Tom Keen. You know him best for ruining Batman's wedding and making Catwoman only say the words meow. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) And the Bat-Cat controversy. And also giving everyone extra shots of Depresso. (laughs) You may also know him as Alfred's murderer. 
And also that guy who weirdly shipped Catwoman with Tom Wayne. Like, <laughs> what? And then, like, Tom Wayne got really, like, overpowered. And we were like, wow, he's kind of acting like a Mary Sue. Oh, my goodness. And he also sort of got the girl in another universe. So I wonder if that was self-insert, <laughs> Tom Keen. Anyways, that guy's writing a book. Um, I love that infomercial. You kept that the whole time. That's, nice, nice job. That's my real voice. This, this voice right here. This is fake. So, anyways, according to Tom Keen, like the HBO Watchmen show, and very much like the original '86 Watchmen, this is a very political work. It's an angry work. We're so angry all the time now. We have to do something with that anger. It's called Rorschach. Not because of the character Rorschach, but because of what you see in these characters tells you more about yourself than about them. <laughs> that's Good that's a direct quote. Lord. <laughs> Good Lord is right. <laughs> Good Lord indeed. Tom Keen, he's over his depression. He's reached another level of grief. He's on to the anger stage. And it's going to be Rorschach now. So... I guess we're gonna see Rorschach like stuffing a bunch more people into like ovens and things. I don't know. Whatever happened to his Bat Cat book? I think people screamed so loud <laughs> DC heard us and said, fine, shit, whoa. <laughs> we won't do it then, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he just told Clay Man, he's like, hey, we're not printing this. This is just for me. <laughs> <laughs> An editor was like, why is it pornographic? <laughs> That's what Black Label meant. That we had to put Black Labels over every panel. <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah. Bat Cat <laughs> is completely off the table. Even if it existed, I would not review it. I would not reference it. You don't like to torture yourself like I do? I do like to torture myself, but let me tell you something. Rorschach is my favorite Watchman, and if any of you try to make me read this book... I will scratch your eyes out faster than a Tom Keen Catwoman impersonator. I will not stand for this nonsense. He is not writing another one of my favorite characters into the ground because of his personal psychosis. I don't care how emotional this man is. He's like every Green Lantern core, but each one is a spectrum of emotion that Tom Keen is having on his way to a mental breakdown. And I don't want to see this happened to me or my characters okay so i'm gonna just pretend like i always do or like i used to always do before you people came into my life and made me review things i hate i would just pretend they didn't exist it's how i got through the new 52 and that's how i'm gonna get through this okay there i want to give you two awards for <laughs> these monologues this issue sorry i go on rants no it's okay it happens i applaud you thank you Thank you. And I want to give a special thanks to Muse for putting up with us. And you go on rant, and I fangirl. <laughs> ah, thank you. All right, so DC Comic Runs canceled in October. According to Didio, uh, this was all planned ahead of the 5G relaunch. Guess who's getting canceled? <laughs> da, 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 da. It's Batgirl 50. She's going to be closing off at series finale, which is number 50. Batman and the Outsiders. <laughs> Someone's happy. 
Do you want to cheer? Who's going to cheer with me? I'm going to cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited and I'm also sad because I remember the controversy. I remember everyone banging <laughs> up. I hated it. I am going to be sad because I won't get to hear your Black Lightning impersonation. <laughs> Which just sounds like someone on helium. strong-looking walk. Because <laughs> he's just being a total baby that whole episode. But you know what? I will not miss him. I think Tony Isabella will be happy, too. Tony Isabella will not be happy until Black Lightning gets his own t- movie, and it's written and directed and possibly performed by Tony Isabella, <laughs> possibly in blackface. <laughs> Tony Isabella is so mean. He's like, did you know... I made the first black superhero. No one else is allowed to have black superheroes but me. Sorry, I'm being mean again. I didn't like it when he did it to someone else and now I'm being rude. (laughs) I'm not on his payroll, so I don't have to be nice to him. Anyways, Tony Isabella, your character's bland. You should feel bad. Be better. Make better characters. The point of that is, sometimes... When someone makes a black superhero just to have a black superhero and they make him a bland, boring straw man, you can take that superhero and you can make them really, really, really good. Or you can do what Brian Hill did and you can be like, what if we made him obnoxious? (laughs) That's another option you can go with. You could choose your own destiny here. I'm glad he's gone. Goodbye. Rest in pieces. (laughs) <laughs> the last one will be number 17. <sighs> I'm sorry. I have to read 17 issues of this loser. <laughs> I'm a little salty. Okay, Nightwing 75. Is going to be getting a new writer. We don't know who the writer is. No, but Dan Jurgens did a good job with what he had. He had to turn Rick Grayson around to Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, the series may not be great, but he worked with what he had. How many writers were on Nightwing? Because I know I dropped it way before Rick Grayson was even a thing. When I picked it up, it was Dan Jurgens, so that's all okay. I know. And so, I've, yeah. I've just been staying consistent with it. But thank you, Jurgens, for bringing Dick Grayson. Well, <laughs> not quite. Yet. Oh. We didn't get there yet. Oh, no. You're going to see what they did to him. Yeah. Brack. Even Batgirl was complaining. She's like, I can't do it. Is it Rick? Is it Dick? What the heck is happening right now? <laughs> I, was, I was her in that moment. We were all her in that moment. She's just like, this has to stop. You have to come home. I don't like this. And I'm like, yeah, tell him. And also, like, Smack him again because I think his head is broken and it is. (laughs) He's not back yet. He's got a ways to go. Mm -hmm. I think he's not going to be back till after Joker War or well into it. Well, uh, according to Jimenez's covers, he's appearing as Nightwing in Batman 99. Wow. Like we said. Look at these artists just giving away the plot. Love it. Um, Red Hood Outlaw is also going to get a new um, writer on the 50th, which, you know, it's kind of fitting. Yeah. The two bros are starting fresh. <laughs> two writers apart because they're not dead. <laughs> Goodbye, Scott Lobdell. Mm. We won't miss you. 
Like, <laughs> not singing Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. <laughs> he is going to Image now, and he is ah. writing a Green Hornet comic. Yeah, take him. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how, like, you freaked out when you found out he was still writing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's illegal to cancel him like that. (laughs) And we had very little news for Marvel. I dug up what I could. So, Muse, if you want to rattle off that one headline. It's actually a not surprising headline. I'm surprised it's taken this long for them to actually say something. Because of COVID, a lot of things have been in production limbo or production hell right now. So, of course, the Marvel tie-in shows are being postponed. Falcon Winter Soldier doesn't have a release date yet. It was supposed to be released this fall. But we do have WandaVision got postponed and it is set for December. So it seems like WandaVision is going to come before Falcon Winter Soldier. It's weird too because the article said that Falcon Winter Soldier only had like a couple more scenes left to shoot. Mm. A majority of the season was done already. It was supposed to actually come out before WandaVision, so I just know that a lot of the Marvel movies are going to get shoved back because they are not just dependent on the movies anymore. They are dependent on these tie-ins because the next Thor uh, movie is dependent. Yeah, Yeah, Loki, uh, WandaVision, and Doctor Strange are connected. A lot of them are going to be starting to really connect into the next couple of films, so... Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, I'm not expecting anything in terms of new media mm-hmm. that's not written because you don't know what this stuff. And I know Warner Brothers has like a whole COVID-19 uh, precaution thing and they set up like an anonymous hotline basically for crew members to call in if their right. production set isn't following these safety precautions Ooh. and stuff. But also like they're kind of doing what uh disney is trying to do where they're both sort of like you heard about the the reeves thing where they were going to kind of have a tv series yeah matt reeves a director of robert pattinson's batman movie he got an hbo max show so he's going to be flushing out his gotham city in that sense which is going to tie into the movie It's going to be about the rogues, right? It's going to focus more on how the GCPD deals with the crime going on in Gotham City before Batman shows up because Pattinson is portraying his first year as Batman. Nice. Okay. So that's why the Batmobile looks like a muscle car Mm -hmm. because he just has a garage of cars and all this other stuff. Oh, that's so cool. It's a great idea in my opinion. Because like, if you look at the the most successful Batman films, a lot of it wasn't even Batman. It was the people around him. It was the environment. The ensemble of the cast and villains around him really make the film. Mm -hmm. You can believe Batman a lot easier, like I said even today, when you understand Gotham. And so, like, to have a setup like that, so oh, to yeah. establish your world. Oh, it's going to put him so far in advance of, like, Snyder's Batman oh, or Superman sure. and Batman because, like, you don't really understand the world. You're coming in cold, and he has a totally different world than what we've seen before. So, this is actually, in my opinion, a great idea. I am so excited for this. I am really excited for his movie as well. It'll be something new at least. I think this is, like you said, it's really smart of them to set the world up. And I think it's really smart of both DC and Marvel adding these extra little tie-in series because you can really flesh characters out a lot more in TV series because there's more time. You can really donate that to your main characters or even supporting characters because this would be stuff that would just have been kind of glanced over or 
kind of referenced in the movies and I think a lot of fans clamor for a lot of that like Bucky in Wakanda Captain that crew doing stuff in the background like I want to see that so I think this is a really good idea of fleshing this out instead of making vague statements yeah because a lot of the movies and stuff too like old batman films like you see a couple references here and there but that's all they are because it's you already go in with the assumption of what gotham city is or kind of like a general knowledge of gotham city and he's kind of working against a very recent film yeah so he has to undo all of your predisposition about like what Gotham is according to Snyder. What Nolan's Gotham is probably going to be very different from Oh, this. yeah. And so, like, you have to pull it back because it hasn't gotten to those stakes yet mm-hmm. in either of those. Like, if you look at him, Snyder's Gotham is even more devolved than mm-hmm. Nolan's, and Nolan's is already going to be further devolved than Reeves. Oh, yeah, because Nolan, like, new villains were just popping up. Mm-hmm. And with Snyder, like, there are villains there, but you don't get to see them. Like, Jason Todd's already dead. Right. Like, that's how far No, that's Dick Grayson. Oh. Snyder decided that was Dick Grayson that got killed by the Joker. Oh! You know what? I don't want to see the Snyder cut. Snyder can just go off (laughs) on a little... Yeah. Jason wasn't a thing. There was only one Robin, and it was Dick Grayson, and the Joker killed him. Also, Batman kills people, guys. Grow up. Yeah, grow up. And we were going to make Superman the new Christopher Reeve Superman as soon as he dealt with the death of Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> it's a real thing, he said. It's a real thing. And boy, howdy, am I excited about the Snyder Cut. <sighs> oh, he just gets the Justice League, guys. But yeah, it's a train wreck. I'm so excited for Matt Reeves. I really feel like he's going to help bring DC around. I'm not going to, like, put that much on his shoulders, to be he honest. He does have a better leg to stand on, though, with this TV show. Yes. I think this is going to help him more than it's going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a good way to, even for himself, develop Gotham. So that he has a good understanding of the world that he's built before he drops Batman into it. And I do know this was an idea of DC for the longest time, just like a Green Lantern TV show. They really wanted to do, like, some type of cop shows. Like, the Green Lantern live-action TV series was going to be a cop show. Dude, I would have loved that. Right? It would have been, like, Firefly meets Law & Order. Yeah. I do like the little dun-dun. Right? But, like, then there's the Green Lantern logo. Or probably, (laughs) like, Castle meets Firefly because it's just Nathan Fillion. Yeah. (gasps) Yes, starring Nathan Fillion. Yeah, but what to call it? A show (laughs) focusing around the GCPD was also on the back burner for the longest time. So I wonder if, like, they kind of just took Matt Reeves' movie idea to kind of shoehorn that in because it will be focusing more on, like, the GCPD. It's not even that far away from Gotham, though, in its early days. In its early days, Gotham was very similar to a procedural. It was very procedural, season one. Yeah. Like, it just felt like a Law & Order thing, and then whenever it really started to fall off more, they're like, oh, let's throw in another reference character. Yeah, and then it really went off the rails, and I, I haven't been watching I it. didn't watch the last season. Anyway, so that's what we got for <laughs> Much news. Much like us going off the rails. <laughs> so finish us off, uh, V, could you read out next week's DC Comics? Absolutely. Guess what's coming out next week, guys? Batman <laughs> Superman, number 10. Fighting villains with friendship. Friendship and love and good art. Oh my gosh. And Joshua Williamson's writing. And more panels for me to put on my Tumblr. Yes. Uh, (laughs) DC 
cybernetic summer number one. Are you so ready? You, you know how they do like these like random one shot event things. Mm-hmm. Like they had Mysteries of Love and Space. They had New or New Year's Evil Eve or something like that. Vaguely. Right. So this is basically going to be following the stories of all their robotic characters. So Cyborg, the Metal Men, stuff like that. That's basically what we saw in Doom Patrol yeah. this last week. Where Cyborg and Cliff go off on a Metal Man adventure, only for Cyborg to ditch him to have sex and for... Yeah, hallucinating about a 1970s cop show called... Stealing oh, Stone. that was so good! <laughs> it was a total procedural ripoff. Like, the whole, like, dropping their badges on the desk or, like... Oh, cross-dressing. Cla- classic and, 70s shit. Oh, it was really crazy. Mm-hmm. That was cute. So good. It would have been the perfect trailer for this. Right? So, <laughs> DC Cybernetic Summer, number one. Joe's gonna get his hopes up, and they will be dashed. Well, they're all little mini-stories, so... Joe's gonna get his hopes up, and they will be dashed. Okay. That's my prediction. I will bet everyone $5. <laughs> Alright, so, for our free comic book day summer, 2020... Batman Overdrive, Once Upon a Crime, flip book. We have the physical book, and it is a delight. The art is by Dustin Wen. It's beautiful. Amazing Ah. watercolors. Style of Little Gotham. Please read it. They're cheesy children's stories, but they're great. They're so nice. Um, John Constantine, Hellblazer, number eight. Nobody's reading it. Legion of Superheroes, number seven. Black Label's going to have... Lunge number seven, Red Hood Outlaw 47, Suicide Squad number seven, and Wonder Woman 759. This will be a new team mm-hmm. with Mariko Tamaki and Mikkel Janin. So excited. <laughs> Cannot wait for this. And Muse, could you please read next week's Marvel? Next week, Marvel has The Amazing Spider Man 45, Cable number two. It's actually been a while for Cable. Captain Marvel number 18, which is an Empire tie-in, Empire number 3, Empire Captain America number 1, Empire Savage Avengers number 1, Iron Man 2020 number 5, Spider-Man Noir number 2, Star Wars Darth Vader number 3, uh, Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality number 5. That is a great AU story if you just want to pick up a random one. Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality. Yes. So it's an alternate reality of when Spider-Man had the black Spider-Man suit right after Secret Wars. But he comes back to this earth where Uncle Ben is alive, Natasha is black cat, Doctor Strange is retired. Okay. The Green Goblin is the new Sorcerer Supreme. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, cool. And it's all written by Peter David. Oh, yeah, boy. Uh Uh-huh. Is it wacky? It's wacky. It is wacky. It is hilarious. It is great. I will read it. Please read it. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I might pick that up as well, now that you (laughs) mentioned that. Uh, So we also have X-Factor number one. So we get another X-Men team. Um, This one I'm interested in. There's a lot of characters on this team that I'm big fans of. There's Polaris. um, She doesn't get enough love. And then Northstar. I think the eyeball guy as well he's a bunch of eyeballs on him i can't really remember but there's a lot of different x-men on there um then of course we have x-men number 10 which is a empire tie-in 
Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Court of Valets podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and now YouTube. We are slowly uploading our episodes onto there. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.